Okay, welcome to the Landco Podcast. We are back with Greg Grimes. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about lake stocking. So welcome to the show, Greg. Well, I am. Glad to be back. Welcome to the Landco Podcast, an analytical behind-the-scenes look into land investing and land ownership, covering marketing conditions, current inventory, and updates on all relevant land ownership issues here in Illinois, mixed in with some timely hunting and fishing reports. And we can go through Greg's, uh, um, you know, his background, but we talked about that in a previous episode, but Greg does a ton of work for um, my personal stuff, a bunch of my personal clients down there from Georgia, uh, but he makes a trip up once or twice a year. And uh, I I couldn't be happier with the services. All of my guys are happy with them. But if you want to hear the full bio, hop back on to, what was that? I think it was the Lake Audit episode um, a few episodes ago, if you want to hear the the full bio. But um, let's just hop right on, hop right in. And uh, so I want to talk about fish stocking because um, I I just don't fully get it all the time too, but I know it's an important role. So a few episodes ago, we talked about um, we want a goal and then we want a lake audit. And then you, let's say you are like, yep, that's my, that's what I want to do. We have a detailed plan. So let's say we are to that point. Okay. And so once we get there, then, then what, what role does stocking play in that plan? Well, it, it's kind of the most obvious thing. And, and most people will immediately go to fish stocking. You know, they may not want to do fertility or fish habitat or aeration, and in some cases, John, that's actually better, or maybe that's the starting point, because just throwing fish in is not going to solve a bass-crowded problem, right? You know, we talked about that. So if you're limited on bluegill um, and you start throwing bluegill in there, they may just get eaten up. And fish aren't cheap, you know, for what you're getting back from it. So I explain it this way. You know, a bass needs to eat 10 pounds of forage to gain one pound of weight. So you start breaking down what you're paying for, say, fathead minnows per pound and do the math, it's really expensive to grow the bass. So what may be better is doing some other management endeavors, and we can talk about that later. So fish stocking is super important, but it, 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 it makes it even more important to do it correct. Correct. So, and you're talking about kind of the, the well, not sporting fish, but like the, the target fish and the bait fish. What about, so on my, on my lake, stocking was important because I think you told me I needed to take out like, it was some absurd number, 500 bass, per year or something like that. And I just, sure. sure we could come up and electrofish and do that, but I just couldn't rod and reel. I'm not going to take out that many. So I think you recommended, you know, I think it was a one, um, either tiger muskie or pike per surface acre. And so that stopped. Right, right, yeah. You guys had the advantage of that. That's why I love working in Illinois and some other Midwestern states, because you've got some options that we don't have in the South. <laughs> and so you're exactly right. Um, it's kind of bucking the trend a little bit, but you can have some muskie, and they would then help you uh, limit the bass. Um, and what's really cool, and, and so I'll, I'll, I'll say this, if this just jumps right into the question. So you have some forage fish you can stock, right? And so some of the options are fathead minnows, golden shiners. We now are doing goldfish. Um, I think they're legal in Illinois. Um, I know one thing we do in the South you can't do in Illinois, or at least the uh, is crawfish. You can do a white river species, which is a little not as available as the ones we get from Louisiana, but you can do several forage things, and that's to get you uh, larger bass too. And then what's really cool where you are is you have a, several other species. I call it kind of a novelty fishery. It's not your main thing. You can't really bank on, especially if you have one lake, 
you can't bank on it being an incredible walleye fishery, right? Um, you're just not going to be able to grow so many walleye in that lake. But if you've got several lakes, you can take one where you do have it designed for just walleye or yellow perch because they're not going to be competing with largemouth bass. That yeah. makes sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. But you can do just a novelty thing. You can do a novelty thing. You know, so your stocking is, I want to have really good bass fishing, but also want to have, you know, crappie to catch. I want to have walleye. I want to have uh, northern pike or muskie. And so our report will have a detail because you don't want to just start throwing those in there at, say, for instance, you've got a bass-crowded lake and you've put a four- to six-inch walleye in. Most of those are going to get eaten at a very expensive snack. Yeah, I found that. So while they're cheaper, I found you're better that. off. Yeah. Much, be- you're much better. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of people found it out. Um, e- even though it's a lot more expensive, maybe three times the price, you're better off stocking maybe a 10-inch walleye at a lesser number, and then it's more controlled. So we may come back with 10 walleye per acre, 10 inches and above. Um, and you may come back and say, hey, I, I, don't, I don't care if I catch them all the time. I just want to catch one on occasion. It would just be really cool to catch one. Well, then that goes in, especially with a muskie. You don't want to overdo it, but you can increase numbers from what um, some guys have talked about in the past, again, with the goal of reducing your bass down. Um, so the answer to the question, you would have a detailed plan of specific sizes, specific species, and specific numbers to match the goals and match the budget that someone has. Yep, and it's very rarely, like if somebody's after bass, it's very rare that you say, we need to stock bass. Like you're stocking stuff to help get to that goal, right? Either to help reduce the current bass or to help feed the bass that are in there. Yes and no. Um, That's exactly right for 80% of people, I would say. Sometimes we actually stock feed train bass. Uh, And I know you're familiar with that Mm -hmm. with, you know, back at Otter Creek and several other lakes. Um, so that's got its place. I mean, especially if you have high fishing pressure, you can stock a much higher density of feed train bass than you could just normal bass feeding on forage. So you may want to stock bass in that case, but you also have to have the feeders to go along with it. Got it. Okay. Um, so let's say we do that, um, first year and you throw all these fish in to help your goal. And, you know, I thought that was the end of it. A lot of my clients are like, okay, that's cool. Now we have 10 years to make this thing work. But you need to sort of keep stocking, right? So tell us why continued stocking is important. Yeah, continued stocking is important um, if your bass are continuing to not grow and you want to add some of the forages, forage base that we talked about, or if it's a species that's not going to reproduce very well. Uh, Muskie, uh, walleye, um, crappie are strange. They can have extremely good reproduction, uh, or they can just miss a cycle for two or three years in a row, and then you're just really limited. So people that like to eat a lot of crappie, you may have to restock some of those if they get in a cycle. Basically, most fish, would, um, like a bass, would get on bed. If you get some weather conditions, he'll pull back off. The weather changes, he goes back on bed, he's going to spawn. A crappie, if they have some bad weather come in, they just pull off and they're done. They just miss that whole year class. So you have to monitor things, John, to, to really get a handle on that. And something like muskie are really difficult to – we've done some – we've shocked the same muskie three times for one client up there. But, um, you know, they shock really well if you come across it, but it's such a low density, you may not come across it while you're actually doing a fish survey. Yeah. So we may have to depend on fishing records. But if you haven't caught a fish that's your target fish, you haven't caught one in years, well, it's time to restock. And you can kind of anticipate some of that and go ahead and get on get on the page. Um, I'll go ahead and stock – 
you know, talk about some of the, some of the availability of some of these fish can be difficult. So you may want to plan out, you know, and smallmouth bass is another one. Again, smallmouth, just to let you know, do not do very well competing with largemouth. They'll do great, though, if you have a lake that only has smallmouth. Right. Um, but you want to make sure you get on the forefront knowing that some of these species are not going to be reproducing and kind of get in, get in line to be getting some of those because there are years where they're not available at all. Got it. Okay. So, so this continued stocking is just you monitor, you know, you take your lake audit, get your plan, and you're monitoring where you're at. And so you might have to throw in some more fish if you get off track a little bit, which just happens. It's still mother nature. I mean, you can, we're doing as much as we can, but things not go wrong, but they don't go perfectly on track every time. So at least the way I see it is like, you got to keep stocking to, to keep on track with your goal. And if, um, if too many bass are coming back up and you're not getting out there to fish, like you might need to put a few more, you know, walleye or tiger muskie in. Is that, is that fair? That is, that is. And, and you said in line with your goal, I'll always throw in there in line with your budget and goal. Right. Some people have unlimited budgets, which are, you know, great clients, but <laughs> most people have a budget. So then yeah. we, then we take that budget and see what's the best way to, to spend those dollars. Uh, and, and we may say, all right, cool. We can, we can put you in, uh, you know, uh, 10 tiger musky, uh, and 50 walleye within that budget. Whereas, you know, you may have wanted 500 walleye, but they're four inches. That wasn't smart, smart way of doing things, but you could spend this money wisely in another way. Yep. Got it. Um, and we, so the next question we, you kind of talked about this and it's maybe more relevant here than Georgia, but are there specific species that continued stocking is more important than others because they don't reproduce so well or, you know, you want a varying age structure. I'm not sure how you'd word that, but is there some that you want? That's a good point. Okay. So. Yeah, that's a good point. You want you want varying age structure, so they occupy a little different niche in the food chain. And I'm probably going to forget one, John. But you know, again, musky and walleye uh, most of the time are not going to reproduce well. Um, that's the two-time novelty fish that you need to be anticipating continual stocking. Okay. Um, and, Yellow and perch usually reproduce fine in the right environment. Smallmouth bass reproduce fine in the right environment. Um, but that's the that's the two I would think of. And then, you know, real quick, just to let you know, there's there's kind of been a shift in our industry. You know, again, working with the Society of Lake Management Professionals, we work a lot of biologists across the country. And if the budget does allow, you will do a routine forage stocking. So you can manage the lake um, wonderfully well, but if you if your dollars are there, you continuously pump that up with additional forage. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's bluegill. Uh, maybe it's goldfish in the summer months. Maybe it is White River species of crawfish. But you make sure that the, specifically, I'm usually talking about largemouth bass here, mm-hmm. they have as much food as they can throughout that season. So keep that in mind, too. Um, if the budget is there, doing some of the supplemental forage stocking uh, routinely is is pretty powerful. Some of the fish growth we've been getting here the last couple of years is starting that program. Got it. Okay. Um, and I think that the back to the walleye, you know, I think you said musky, but up here it's musky pike and then like that tiger musky hybrid. They're all kind of in the same category here. But a lot of times I'll I'll roll up to talk to someone to sell their property or to show someone, and they have these pictures on the wall from 20 years ago, and they you know holding this huge musky, and they think it's good musky fishing, and but they haven't stocked it ever. You know, they're, they're fishing from back in the sixties when the, you know, the strip mine companies or the mining companies stocked it, but those don't reproduce. So it's, it's good to know that because you know, you're trying to sell a property and they're saying, Oh, there's all this, you know, walleye fishing here or, or tiger musky. And it's like, well, if you haven't stocked it in 20 years, you might have caught one back then, but that's just, 
that's not the case anymore, right? That's exactly right. Like we talked about in the last episode, I mean, you're going to hear about the one big bass they cut when they that they caught, just like you're going to hear about that. But right, yeah, it's it's extremely rare to see reproduction of those fish. So just think about it. I mean, you stock a low density of those fish already, um, they're going to get caught out. And you stock a low density on purpose because you want those fish to grow. Um, you know, it's kind of the opposite. Should have said this at the beginning, and we didn't even talk about like channel catfish is another one. They're not going to reproduce. Um, a lot of people don't understand that. that. A bull, yeah, a bull, a bullhead. Well, it's not, I'll say this way: a bullhead catfish is going to reproduce and recruit. So it's not that a channel catfish doesn't reproduce. They need a hollow cavity to do that, but they usually can find that. They don't recruit because they don't guard their young. So if you stock, uh, you know, 500 catfish in a decent-sized lake. Um, and they're wonderful and they're great. And six years from now, you just aren't catching any many, uh, especially if you have some fishing tournaments, fishing derbies out there. Wonder what's going on? It's because they haven't reproduced. They haven't recruited into the system. So if you enjoy that fish, you need to be aware of the fact you're going to have to stock those again. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of goes back to monitoring and looking at catch records and all of that, and, and making an informed decision. Okay, uh, makes sense to me. So let's hop into some of the details, like when. Let's say you, you're on board, you know you need to put some fish in. When's the best time to do it? Um, spring and fall again, uh, just like our electrofishing time frame. Um, not in the heat of the summer. Usually not in the dead of the winter, but obviously some of the cooler water fish that you have up there is, is okay to go into the winter months. But a lot of the fish are just not going to travel well when it's really cold or it's really hot. So when it's moderate temperatures, and the truth is, uh, for some of those fish, when they're available, yeah. <laughs> if you can get them, you better get them. And so is that when, when you say it's bad to stock them, is it travel that is bad for them or is it putting them into like warm yeah. temperature water? It's traveling? Okay. It, it's, it's transport. It, it's both. I mean, um, when you transport, you, you temper the fish into that lake environment. Uh, it's just things are a lot healthier uh, in the cooler water than it is super hot or super cold water. Yep. Okay. Uh, and I, I think I know the answer to this, but just for the podcast, so like, let's say somebody wanted to buy some fish. Um, there's not like a one size fits all, but who would, who would they get in touch with if they want to do this? Yeah, we, we do quite a bit of stocking there. Um, usually for us, it means we need a, a pretty good size order to justify a truck coming up there, but we usually are able to put that together. Um, I think uh, Herman Brothers, Nate Herman's on your podcast. He's a great resource uh, in the area. Uh, as well, but I would I would say just get a hold of you, John. I mean, you know you know what's going on. You can line everything up. Um, you know we've lined up several lakes in the past, so everybody wins. The more uh, stocking that we take place at the same time, uh, it's a win win there. So Got it. That, I, think, I was thinking a hold of you. Yep, and that's a good answer because a lot of times you know Nate will have a fish. Like I think maybe a month ago he had a paddlefish. I don't even know what a paddlefish is, but sometimes different guys. Yeah, have different, how cool is that? It looked cool. I don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, my, my, my son wanted. My, my son wanted to go to Illinois and get some of Brayland, Georgia. So, yeah, it was super cool. <laughs> but different times, people have different sized fish. And you call, you know, sometimes, you know, you and Nate, who are the best in the industry, it's like, well, I don't I don't have any 12-inch muskie right now. We'll find some somewhere else. So you get a hold of me um, because, like you said, I, I just assumed fish were easy to get. And that's just not the case. Maybe they are from the state. I, I did that a long time ago, but they were all like one to three inches or a little fry. It was just so – I'm just not that patient, so I I don't do that anymore. But yeah, you kind of you kind of get what you pay for, yeah. <laughs> and so the price is right. But you, you've got to wait. They're going to tell you the numbers, which sometimes are fine, but sometimes people want to manage things differently, and they're going to 
not want to do things in that different manner. Uh, and the other thing I should have said, too, you want to know your sources of these fish. Um, there, there may be uh, some unnamed fish source out there, uh, and unfortunately there are a couple that are not the most reputable guys, and there's what is their source of fish. They need to have all the proper testing. Um, you need to know, like muskie, there's a lot of research on this strain and that strain of muskie and which ones will do better in this lake versus that one. It's a complicated subject. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you know the answers, you want to try to meet those answers if you can. Um, but there's a lot of trust, John. If you're talking walleye and you're only getting 10, you can count those. If you're talking a load of golden shiners and it's 400 pounds, how do you know there's 400 pounds? How do you know there's 12,000 in there? There's a lot of trust on the fish guy. So um, using a reputable source and knowing what you're getting is, is pretty darn important. Got it. Well, get in touch with Greg or I, and if it's not one of those that, that'll help you, we'll line you up to somebody that we do trust. So uh, I think that's good enough for stocking. Obviously, we could go on forever, but for somebody that's really interested, get in touch with us, and Greg or I could walk you through all that. But um, is there anything that I'm missing that I should be asking that like I just don't know to ask about stocking that I didn't cover? I, I think you covered it. I mean, it's a very important aspect, but there, you know, it's just one one part of the management, not not the whole. Okay. Uh, but no, I think we covered it pretty well. Cool. Well, we'll wrap up this episode, and uh, I think Greg will be joining us for one more in the series. So, um, Greg, thanks for joining us, and we'll be back at you shortly. Thank you, sir. See ya. <laughs>